Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to Real Jam Radio. I'm Daniel Rue, your host, and so happy to have you with us for this episode. When a team is the one that gives both the Boston Celtics and the Denver Nuggets their first losses of the season, I think they are worthy of more specific discussion and study. And thankfully, the Wolves have one of the absolute best in the business, John Krasinski, working for them as a part of the Athletic. Honored to have him as a colleague. And so we talk about the Minnesota Timberwolves, talk about what has gone well for them, where things are going from here, and their fascinating significant financial future as well. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Go to FanDuel.com slash Boston. New customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet, which is awesome. And I hope you enjoy the podcast. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, absolutely. Good to be here. There is a lot to talk about with Minnesota. We don't have the most time to do it, but this is such a fascinating franchise and having a a real moment. I, I think the place for me that I wanted to start, and of course we'll go in a lot of different directions, is that the Wolves had two losses at the beginning of the year. But once they were able to kind of get their starting five back together, and, and as Jaden McDaniels has been working his way into shape, they have looked really, really good to me. And you've been watching them even more closely. I wanted to see how you feel about it. Yeah, Danny, it's been a, a super impressive last stretch of games here. You're right, since that, since that a little bit of a shaky start. You know, they lose in Toronto without Jaden McDaniels. Um, win at home and then go back on the road to Atlanta. They're up 21 in that game in the third quarter, and then they kind of blow it. And so you're wondering, okay, is this the same team that kind of has struggled with maturity, with closing games, with kind of staying together um, as teams in the past uh, of, from the Timberwolves? And really then they come back home and everything comes together, especially defensively. I mean, Rudy Gobert looks completely rejuvenated. Jaden McDaniels has been terrific. Um, even Carl Anthony Towns is playing good defense, and they have the number one ranked defense in the league. They are they have we have beaten really good teams, Boston and Denver. So you know the, this start is not some kind of cupcake fueled uh, surge here, and and there's just a an overall professionalism and business like approach to this group that is unique among and this is the 20th season that I've covered them. Crazy um, to say that, but they just really seem to know who they are and what they need to do to win games right now. And it's, it's been pretty impressive. 
you mentioned how that is unusual within the the history of the team. You you of course know this franchise exceedingly well. Does it feel persistent to you? Does it feel like something that is going to carry? Or you know, they, it it is notable to me that the Wolves had their they had their stumbles at the beginning when they were not completely whole. They've been more whole since then, and they they haven't had it. Do you think they need to go through a couple more? Or do you think they've kind of got it together? Well, I mean, I think anytime you know you're seven games into a season, anything can happen, right? Um, sure. Small sample sizes, all of those things, and all those caveats have to apply. And I think especially they do apply to a to an organization and a franchise that just has had such little track record for success or, you know, they don't have the, uh, the reason to have the benefit of the doubt right now. But the way that they are playing feels sustainable. Um, the defense feels real. And I think that um, if you talk to people behind the scenes with the Timberwolves, the reason that they feel like this is not a mirage, that this is not just a nice little hot start for them and that they can carry this forward is that for as good as the defense has been, the offense still really hasn't fully clicked yet. Um, they have great offensive talent with Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns. Jane McDaniels is underrated as an offensive player. Mike Conley is a good offensive player. Nas Reed. Um, so they have a lot of talent, um, but they just haven't put it all together. Cat is off to an unbelievably poor shooting start to to this season. Um, he he shot it really well um, on uh, what is it Wednesday night against New Orleans, but uh, other than that, he's really had a hard time. Um, and and so if they can get some of the offensive wrinkles ironed out and really start to play at a high level on that end of the floor too, like they are capable of doing, all of a sudden, uh, I think there's a real belief that this this can becomes a team that is really difficult to deal with on both ends of the floor. And so um, there is nothing that has been done so far to meet to to look at and said, ah, you know, that's kind of fluky. They can't they can't keep repeating this. They can repeat this defense. They are legitimately that good. And if they can get their offense moving a little bit, they can get even better. So, yes, I, I, I I'm cautiously optimistic on their ability to sustain something close to this level provided there's not an injury situation or something like that. The one small thing that I'll I'll caution on is that the Wolves had had very... They've been very fortunate in terms of opponent three-point shooting. Um, 32% is the lowest in the league. But even if you regress that to the mean, their defense has still done extremely well. And that's something that you look at is like, are you giving up a ton of threes? Are they making them all that type of stuff? Well, the Wolves are also have the fourth best location effective field goal percentage in the league where where opponents are taking their shots. So you square that up, then that gets there. And And I love the point that you brought up about their offense because it feels like a long time ago at times, but two seasons ago, Minnesota was number seven in offense. And mm-hmm. part of what made the, 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 the upside pitch for the Rudy Gobert trade was the idea that that year the Wolves were seventh in offense and 13th in defense and replacing Jared Vanderbilt with Rudy Gobert. I mean, there were, of course, a lot of other moving parts in the bench and everything else like that in the deal. But the idea was like, okay, if you can stay a top 10 offense and you can move from 13th in defense into the top 10, top five, then that's a really dangerous team. 
And I think we're getting the outlines. Obviously, we're seven games in, and that seven-game sample isn't even perfect in and of itself. But a really like a, a really positive idea after how negative all of us were, or many of us were, on the t- on Tim Connolly's trade, for those who supported it at the time and those who did not, now it's like, oh, well, this is what they were thinking. Right, exactly. This is, I mean, I, it absolutely took an entire year for the Timberwolves to adapt to Rudy Gobert and for Rudy Gobert to adapt to the Timberwolves. Uh, I don't think anyone expected the process to be that painstaking and that slow, but that's what happened. Uh, Rudy Gobert arrived here last season. Um, he was a little banged up coming off of Eurobasket, didn't play much in training camp. There wasn't a whole lot of time for them to play together and figure out what is a very unique roster construction with, with Gobert and Towns and the two bigs and how you, how you fit together that way. And Rudy didn't play all that well, um, especially early last season. He was not the same Rudy Gobert that he was in Utah. And so there was frustration. There was tension. There was just kind of, and it wasn't like they, they, they got along fine. They didn't, you know, they didn't hate each other. There wasn't any chemistry issues that way, but there was just real, like just kind of teeth gritting on how to figure out how to play together. And so what we have seen so far this season is just a much greater familiarity with each other and comfort level um, in playing with each other. And the Timberwolves have learned to adapt to Rudy. They brought in Mike Conley um, as a point guard who knows how to play with him and knows how to pass him the ball and get, get him into spots that he likes offensively. Um, and then Rudy has done a good job of adapting uh, to the Timberwolves and understanding that he's got to do thing, things a little bit differently to fit with Anthony Edwards and Towns and McDaniels. And, and and those kinds of things. And so there's been a little bit more compromise on both sides. And so now you're seeing a fully healthy Rudy Gobert who is more comfortable in his surroundings playing like the all-star, all-NBA caliber player he was in Utah. Uh, he's been a menace defensively. Um, you know, they are still trying to figure out how to exactly work the spacing with Towns and Gobert when they're sharing the court together. And I think that's one of the reasons that Towns has just not looked comfortable yet. Um, but little by little, they are making progress in that area, whether it's putting Rudy in the dunker spot more, whether it's, you know, just kind of spacing Towns out to the three-point line a little bit more. They're finding ways, and it's a long ways from being a finished product, but it is so much more cohesive than it was last season. And when it was, frankly, understandable if people looked at Rudy Gobert and said, is, is he cooked? Like, is, is he just getting old, and is this going to be the Rudy Gobert going forward. He's looked like a completely different player this season. On that front, I brought up before that Minnesota currently fourth in defensive location effective field goal percentage. And so the way you get that is through somebody like Rudy Gobert. So right now, Minnesota giving up the fifth fewest shots at the rim, which and they're giving up the sixth most long twos. And so generally, you know, that, that equation isn't always going to work. We have bad teams that have good effective location field goal percentage around the league as well. But the theory of it was you seal off the rim as best you can. You force the other team into tough shots. And then, you know, they're not always is going to miss as many threes as they have so far. But that part of this is, it's an important element of this story. Another important element of the story is Anthony Edwards. And I mean, he has been incredible. 28 points, six rebounds to start the most efficient of the year of his career so far. I mean, we're, we're early on. I don't know that he's going to shoot 43% from three for the entire season. It'd be awesome if he did. But 
the idea that Edward's like this, this to me is, if it can continue, is the kind of leap that I hoped and expected for him this year, if not beyond that. I, you know, he there was so much hype surrounding him coming into this season, coming off of the strong performance with Team USA, going into his fourth season, he got the max contract this summer. Um, and so there's just a lot of expectations put on his shoulders, but he's exceeded every one of them, Danny. And, uh, and I'll tell you what, the, to me, the most encouraging part of his game to this point, I mean, the, the scoring's great. You know, when he went, when he went, you know, scored six straight in overtime to beat Boston the other night, it was electric. Like all of that was awesome. Yeah, it was um, incredible. But but he's averaging five point three assists a game. Like that's a career high. That that's that's up, and 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 it's going up higher and higher every single game. And so. Um, he's seen the floor better. He had seven assists against Atlanta. He had eight assists against New Orleans. He had seven assists against Boston, six against Utah. Like he's, he is looking for his teammates and getting them great shots. Now he still turns the ball over. Um, there, there's still a bunch of that. He's 22 years old. He's still trying to figure some things out that way, but his playmaking and his recognition of how to bend a defense to, to him and then get the ball to someone else for a great shot. It's been really high, high level. And, and so I think that when you look at what he has to do to take that next leap, it's become more consistent defensively and then be able to do more than just score. It's, it's get other teammates involved. And he's been doing that um, really well the last few games. One of the most important thresholds for offensive players is can they can they create good shots for other people? Can they be the focal point of a high-level offense? And I've seen more so far this year from Anthony Edwards than I honestly expected to this year on that front, on the playmaking front. This is yeah not only a career high in assists, the assist rate and everything else, but it's the looks that they're generating because sometimes they're going to fall, yeah. sometimes they're not. And I don't think he's, you know, necessarily in the Luca, you know, like that no. kind of like focal point yet. Yeah. But like the Wolves have been very good offensively when he's been on the floor. He has been more central kind of overall than he had been previously. And that that gives the Wolves latitude in a lot of other fronts. That doesn't mean, you know, Mike Conley has nothing to do. Carl Anthony Towns has nothing to do. But it's getting them better opportunities and kind of shifting the load a little bit. Yeah, and, and I think where uh, the Timberwolves last season, let's say, uh, would run into trouble offensively is when Anthony Edwards would iso and dribble the air out of the ball, step back three, tough contested two, you know, kind of put everything on his shoulders and just kind of really, you know, Chris Finch likes to say, makes the ball sticky and just doesn't move it and makes them easy to guard. Now, he has his moments doing that still this year. I mean, he kind of did it in, against Boston in overtime when he just took it over. But uh, there have been so many more moments where he is learning that if he passes and gets off the ball early in the clock, it's going to come back to him um, and he's going to get another great shot. And I think that was really where his Team USA experience was really beneficial with Eric Spolstra, with Steve Kerr, with that coaching staff and playing with other great players and understanding, uh, you know, that ball movement was not only to set up your teammates, but it also may end up setting you up for better uh, offensive options and scoring options later in the possession. And so he is starting to process that information and starting to apply that to the game. And like you said, um, the, the, then when he is penetrating and passing, 
he is creating great, great looks for his teammates because he is so explosive and dynamic as a scorer. He is drawing so much attention. He's getting double teamed. He's, he's, he's just having the defense collapse on him. But I just, I'm thinking about a play against the Pelicans where he kind of drove along the right side, drew a, drew a crowd, cross court pass to Mike Conley, perfect in the pocket, in the corner. He drills a corner three. Like that's the kind of stuff that he is starting to do and see. And the Timberwolves are just benefiting greatly from it. It's also worthwhile to emphasize that it takes guards some time. And hilariously, his backcourt teammate, Mike Conley, is a great reminder of this mm. with, with him coming in. I, I love Conley as a point guard prospect, but he you know, it took him time getting to Memphis out of Ohio State to do it. And this is Anthony Edwards' age 22 season. Like, he has he has a long time pre-prime, but the way that his game is evolving is extremely encouraging. Plenty more to discuss, but first a message from FanDuel. Snap into action this season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That is $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use, wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, which I love, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash Boston kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL, must be 21 or over and present in Massachusetts. Hope is here. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling helpline ma.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GameSenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. Then another positive story for Minnesota is Nas Reed. I I, I had, was yeah. a little bit skeptical, you know, especially with how weird last year was. Of like, oh, you're really going to throw that much more money at a big, even though he definitely had value for them. Like, I mean, there were, there were a lot of times last year where he was extremely important to what they did. And it's... He's fitting. He fits in extremely well, and I've been impressed with how the like the the chemistry, if you want to call it that, of Reed Gobert and Reed Towns have both worked well. That I mean, that's been the key, Danny. Is like last year, whenever in the in the minimal time that Nas Reed shared the floor with Towns or Gobert, it usually did not go well. Um, and really, Reed spent the entire summer working on his footwork, his game, his power forward game, because he knew that if he wanted to play and play minutes on this team and share the floor um, with Towns or Gobert, he was going to have to play power forward and not small ball five. And so when he's sharing the floor with Towns, Towns is the five. When he's sharing the floor with Gobert, Gobert is the five. And so the most uh, surprising thing I would say from, and the Timberwolves maybe have been surprised themselves by this, is that they, hey, Nasri has been able to share the floor with those bigs and guard fours on the perimeter, stay in front of them, make it tough on them. He is not getting torched by uh, stretch fours, by by players who are quicker than him. He has really worked on his athleticism, his quick twitch, uh, his being able to move his feet, and that's made a huge, huge difference. And then offensively, Danny, he's just so skilled. Uh, he's got so much game. I mean, he's, he's a great ball handler. He can drive to the basket. He has become a really 
reliable three-point shooter. He's shooting 44% right now. I mean, again, that's probably not going to uh, to uh, sustain over the course of a season from three, but um, but if he can be in that 37% range, um, I, th- I think that's realistic for him with what he can do. And he works so dang hard. So um, I, I just think that he is kind of the one player every summer over the last four years who has improved uh, you know, some part of his game dramatically, Nasrid's done that. He's every year he's come back a better player, and and now him being able to play that power forward spot has been super beneficial for the Wolves. And I think you know if he keeps this up, he's going to get six man uh, consideration. I think he's been that good. He has been, and kind of a theory that that needs to play. And I'm sure Chris Finch has thought about this: is that when you get into bet more backup centric lineups, you need somebody to kind of take some of the offense of mantle you need somebody whether that's you know a lot of teams do that through a ball dominant backup guard and, and sure a lot of teams can do that and it's successful and the wolves have some good backup guards now i'm not sure we'll have the time to talk about it but that's another mm-hmm. another thread of this but what reed does is he makes life easier on whatever the starters are still in there so if it's Conley, if it's edwards and you it gives you a place that opponents are having to guard and i agree with you like 44% on threes, probably not going to persist, but if it gets to 37, and he's been a pretty, he's been a good three-point shooter on relatively high volume a fair amount now. Like, we're building, the sample is pretty built now, and if Reed takes a step forward from where he was, which would be probably around that 37%, that's a, that's a real threshold, and and so then you get guarded, then it makes life easier on everybody else, and the supplemental defense, I think, has been has been good as well. I've been surprised by the, the Reed-Towns lineups. We'll, we'll need to build that out a little bit to make sure that that's that that's tangible and everything else, but yeah, he's been an important part of their success. Yep, absolutely. And 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 um, what we, we he's also kind of unveiled uh, a little bit more of a post game this this year that we haven't seen before. When he gets a small guy on him, uh, if they're switching on defense and he backs him down, I mean it's you know, it's barbecue chicken like uh, like Shaq likes to say. I mean he's got a really nice touch around the basket. He moves it very aggressively, makes quick decisions, um, and you know just there's a a good energy about the lineups when he's on the floor because he is so uh, quick to make decisions, be aggressive and either pass shoot uh, or, or go to the basket. So he, he knows who he is and he knows where he does his damage. And it's um, it's been pretty fun to watch. A lot of times, and Jokic is a great example of this, that is a mental thing more than it is a physical. Like you, ha- if having the physical advantage is a part of the equation, but being able to get to it quickly is so central. I want to move to one of the important threads and one that you've done a better job reporting on than basically anybody, at least that I know, which is Minnesota's ownership situation. Uh, Glenn Taylor, unusually today, podcast appearance and talked about <laughs> things a little bit. Do you want to give, especially listeners who may be a little less familiar with the Wolves, kind of where things are now and where you expect them to be going? Yeah, so Glenn Taylor is the majority owner of the Timberwolves. He's been that way since 1995, uh, just now two years ago, I believe. Um, He entered into an agreement with Mark Laurie and Alex Rodriguez to um, have a succession plan in place. And the plan was for the the minority group to buy in at 20%, then gradually um, expand their holdings with it, within the, uh, the organization until they took the majority shares from Glenn Taylor um, by the end of this calendar year. So basically right now, the way the agreement is set up is that um, Mark Laurie and Alex Sardegas have to exercise their final option to purchase 40% of, of the team from Glenn Taylor uh, by December 31st. 
and then they have to close the deal essentially by March um, to uh, to become the majority owners uh, of the team. And there have been some whispers around the league wondering if Mark Laurie and Alex Rodriguez have the money to do it. Um, but from everyone that I'm talking to around the situation right now, as that deadline approaches, there's confidence that they have everything in place and that they're going to meet the deadline just as they've met the previous two deadlines to increase their equity holdings. And so it looks like everything is going forward here. Alex Rodriguez and Mark Laurie have been at games this season. Um, they, they have they have a presence. They're, they're involved in decision-making and trying to set things up going forward. And so um, we're just kind of kind of waiting for the official uh, channels to be uh, exercised and, and, and accepted and, and it's going to go forward. So um, I, you know, I, I, there has been some skepticism, but they've met every, every deadline that they've had to meet. And I don't have a reason to doubt that they're going to meet this final one until, until something else happens. And so it, everyone is preparing within the Timberwolves for this, kind of baton to be passed by the end of this season coming up. And that matters more for Minnesota than a lot of other franchises because of the decisions that have already been set up and still need to be made moving forward in terms of their financial future. And so Minnesota already with Gobert, Towns and Edwards on significant contracts, they were looking at, you know, looking at a lot of a lot of money outpaid to players. Mm-hmm. And then they extended Jaden McDaniels on a deal that I think is totally reasonable for a player of his caliber, especially with where the cap is going. But now Minnesota, as things are looking, they're looking like a tax team for next year. And that doesn't even include retaining Mike Conley, who has been important for their success, or even just losing Conley and replacing him with a competent player. And so generally speaking, how the thresholds that a team has for spending, that is an ownership, not only an ownership level decision, it is an ownership only decision maybe a powerful general manager can influence them but the other big thing that can influence an ownership group is how is the team actually playing and so that always put more heat on this wolf season because whoever is in majority and it does look like it's going to be Laurie and Rodriguez they're going to have to agree to it and then actually sign the checks for the wolves to be at whatever spending level they end up agreeing to Right. And, and that will be the interesting. And, and I, I also think, Danny, that's why, you know, this team being competitive and not just getting to the playoffs, but winning series in the playoffs um, is important for them because they need that revenue. Like, I, you know, at, I, I do think that Alex Rodriguez and Mark Lawyer are going to have the money and, gonna, and, and, go, and they're going to close the deal. But do they have Steve Ballmer money? No, like, and, and very few people do. So how they navigate the revenue portion of, of the situation with what is going to be a huge tax bill is going to be interesting to see. Um, will they, you know, if they win enough, will they keep the, this group together and try to make another run at it and pay the tax? And because that's what um, teams in championship windows do. Um, or will they look to make a move, you know, with a Rudy Gobert or a Carl Anthony Towns to try and alleviate some of that tax burden and, and stay below second aprons and all of those things? That all remains to be seen. And and I don't know that anyone fully knows how they're going to operate until they take over and really start cutting these checks. So um, they, they have expressed a lot of confidence. They have wanted to be aggressive. They were very much um, on the forefront of the Rudy Gobert trade um, and inquiring him. They're very much uh, 
you know, a proponent of paying Jaden McDaniels and paying Nas Reed all the money that they paid those guys. Uh, so they are well, well aware of what is coming. And so then, you know, it's one thing to be aware of that. And then it's one thing to be living in that reality. So that is going to be an ultra interesting aspect of this whole thing uh, as we move forward here. And and talk about going from frying pan into the fire. Like they've, they've been a voice in the room, but cutting the checks is something really different. Yes. And it's also important to note here, longtime listeners will know this, but you don't calculate a team's luxury tax bill until the end of that season. So theoretically, mm-hmm. it doesn't happen very often. Minnesota could start next year, you know, way over and then move players and that can change the calculus and everything like that. Generally speaking, with the new salary floor, that isn't happening as much. It's it's on the table, though, and we'll have to see. The last thing I wanted to ask you is there were a couple players who aren't in their standard rotation. Jordan McLaughlin is hurt, which sucks. Um, but then mm-hmm. Leonard Miller and Josh Minot, two recent second yeah. round picks, both of whom I actually quite like as players. Uh, anything about how the team are feeling about that and whether there's a spot for them in the rotation maybe later this year or moving forward? Well, yeah, I mean, they they love, love, love Leonard Miller. Um, there is a a very high opinion of where he can eventually be as a rebounder, a physical defender, uh, a guy who can kind of have the ball in his hands a little bit um, and and do a lot of good things for them. And so he's made an excellent first impression, uh, but he's also just very young. Same with Josh Minot. Minot is incredibly athletic. They're they're really high on his long-term potential of being a kind of versatile three, four type of a player. He, he's got a lot to work on with his shot, um, with his three point shot and, and extending his range a little bit. But in terms of defense, um, activity, athleticism, all of those things, they really like Josh Minot as well. I do not see a scenario outside of injuries where they are breaking into the rotation this season because it's a pretty veteran group that wants to win and win big right now. But I do think that they are going to both be critical parts of the team going forward because as we were just talking about in terms of their financial situation, they're not going to be able to pay everybody all the money, um, you know, for in perpetuity here, the, the tax bills are going to get too big. Even the golden state warriors are making, you know, moves to, to shave, shave tax money and, and, and save it. So um, if you can have young players in the pipeline who are ready to contribute um, and fill in on affordable deals, that's going to be the lifeblood of them trying to extend whatever, you know, window this is for them that they believe is opening up right now around Anthony Edwards and Jane McDaniels and, and, and Nas Reed. So, um, so they're very much in their plan for the future and they're trying to develop them with the Iowa G League team and, and get them time and, and, and things like that. But I just don't see in it in the immediate future of them playing prominent rotation roles just because of how those spots are taken up right now by veterans, Kyle Anderson, you know, the, those types of guys who may not be here for very much longer, but are super important to what they're doing right now. It makes complete sense. And moving forward, I mean, like I'm one of the ways you could see this is Miller kind of not that they're the same player takes on Kyle Anderson's role, at least Kyle Anderson's mm-hmm. role on this year's team. His role on last year's team is kind of outside of Minnesota, a little bit un- underappreciated, unheralded. He was huge there. Um, last thing, just briefly, is there anything like kind of big that we missed? Anything that if you're telling, I mean, you tell a lot of great stories on the Wolves that is yeah. like that, that would be incomplete without even mentioning X. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, um, 
just talking a little bit more about what uh, Jaden McDaniels has done. And I, I think, uh, you know, he should, in my opinion, I thought he was an all defensive player last year. He did not get on, he did not get voted in, but um, the, the impact that he's already making defensively early in this season playing with Rudy Gobert has been enormous, but he's also not your Tony Allen type of, uh, you know, your Matisse Thibel type of all, uh, you know, defender, perimeter defender. He is a guy who can also hurt you offensively. And, um, you know, last year he shot 39, 40% from three, and he his game looks like it's taking another uh, jump offensively this season, even though there's not a ton of opportunities for him, uh, you know, in that lineup. Uh, but he is just such a critical part of what they are doing and their long-term potential here that um, I think that, you know, he's starting to make a name for himself, but it, for, for, you know, fans who don't watch the Timberwolves on a daily basis and, and, and game in and game out um, just, you know, they're, they're in golden state coming up here to put on one of those games and watch Jaden McDaniels guard Steph Curry. Like that's going to be just a, a super fun matchup. And he's going to get plenty of minutes on Steph, just like he does on Jason Tatum, on Luka Doncic, on James Harden. And, um, and, and, and he gives everyone trouble. So uh, he's, he's off to a great start and, and been critical to what they're doing so far. It's going to be extremely exciting to watch Minnesota. I'll get to see them in person on Sunday, and then I'm actually broadcasting the game on Tuesday, so I won't get to be there for the in-season tournament. But this it's been a really great start, and I'm so happy to have had you on to, to break it down. Hey, thanks for having me, Danny, and I'll see you Sunday. I'll be out there. So Thanks again to John Krasinski for taking the time to come on. You can read his excellent work at The Athletic. You can hear him. He does podcasts, and you can check, it, check out his Twitter. You can find out where he's going to be on a Wednesday. I believe he does radio appearances as well. And... This this is such an interesting wolf season. There's a reason why I wanted to do a podcast on them and we'll see where it goes from here. But if you're interested in it, whether you are a Minnesota partisan, if not, if you are, then I don't know how you wouldn't know John by now, but if you're not like John is a great person to have in your feed, whatever social media you're using, because he is, he, he has a more than a finger on the pulse. He has like his whole hand on the pulse of the wolves. And I love reading him. I love getting to talk to him and I'm very excited to get to see him on Sunday. If you want to support the show, there are a lot of different ways you can do it you can subscribe download every episode that is particularly useful for real gm radio because it's never going to come out on a specific day of the week this is a good example i talked to john and we were able to make thursday work but sometimes it's monday sometimes it's saturday it really does depend so subscribing downloading every episode whatever podcast player you use is much appreciated and if we're not in a podcast player that you want us in please let me know i'll give my contact information in just a beat because that isn't something I can fix, but it is something that I can pass to the people who can. And that's happened before of, oh, we're not on X, so wish you could be. And sometimes the answer is we can't. Sometimes the answer is we can. Um, but I really do appreciate that. Along those lines, you can help other people find the show by leaving a rating and review in the podcast player of your choosing. That helps other people find the show, whether it's a single episode or the show in general. You can also do something on social media, really whatever you use. Really do appreciate that. But the single most important thing for Real GM Radio and any other show that has them is to check out our sponsors fanduel.com slash boston new customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet which is fantastic a lot of fun things like spreads and player props and everything like that so you can check that out and that will lead to them continuing to sponsor us and other stuff i also deeply appreciate it if you check out my other work that is 
Actually, I'll start with the thing because it is Wolves related that the next NBA strategy stream, those are the broadcasts that Nate Duncan and I do on League Pass, will be a Wolves game. It's going to be Minnesota at Golden State, which is not only a regular season game, it is in-season tournament NBA Cup, not NCAA. Um, And super excited to do that. It is a later start for Minnesota people because it's a seven Pacific nine central game but should be a really fun one a really big one so you can watch it with us um hopefully you're not too close to minnesota i don't know what blackout restrictions are like right now on league pass but you can check that out i think you can also watch it after the fact if you're in the if you're in the zone i can't remember the exact timing i apologize that i don't know it it's it changes so i don't always have that you can also ask questions that using hashtag nba strategy stream between now and then we'll get to a couple of them on the show in all likelihood nate and i are also going strong with dunked on and dunked on prime always so much fun this part of the season we're figuring things out you know 15 and 60 every week it's actually gonna be on monday rather than Sunday this week because Nate is traveling. Did a gamer with Seth Partnow yesterday, which was a lot of fun and going in a lot of different directions. And then written work at The Athletic. I did a piece last week on the second apron that came out. I have another one that editorial has. I don't know exactly when it's coming out. And then I'm actually just started doing my legwork for updated stuff on the 2024 Capspace Derby, free agency, everything like that. Now that the extension window, including Jaden McDaniels, is now done. I did some work on kind of who's going to have what to spend. And that will turn into pieces over probably the rest of the month, maybe early next month, depending on when editorial wants to publish them. If you have any feedback, good, bad, or indifferent, NBA at gmail.com is the way to get it to me. If you take the time to write it, I will take the time to read it. That is an absolute promise. If you want to reply, I I try, I don't, but I don't promise that. And I'm always going to be upfront with you. That's just the way it is. Um, it, there are a lot of different reasons why that can sometimes be challenging. Sometimes it's that I need to give it some thought or, you know, that's why it's input for me is, is probably the best way to put it. So I I do really appreciate though it can be guest guest ideas feedback on episodes like and and it doesn't as i say positive negative and different it does not have to be saying something nice it can be hey this would be better or you know x that 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 matters to me and it's something that's extremely important to what i do and particularly now as i'm spending less time on social media um that is something that it's a way that you can can get in touch with me that you know i'll read it and, and i really do so that is all for now thank you so much for listening take care and make it a great day